When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review. I'm Cheerson Sustow here with Johnny Venerable. We're going to talk about Calvin Ridley and whether or not the Cardinals should make a move for him. But first, who would have thought that the first time we see Larry Fitzgerald back in action Aside from playing golf, because we all know that he loves to play golf, played has played many of it uh, all throughout his career outside of football. Yeah. But, so outside of golf, who would have thought that the next time we'd see him compete would be on the pickleball court? How about that? <laughs> on the pickleball court. I, yeah, I'm not super familiar with, with pickleball. Only pickles that are in my refrigerator. Uh, I think this is a, another sign that we love Larry. He's definitely retired. And he is enjoying his time with other celebrities like Michael Phelps that are on his level, um, which, you know, kudos to him. Uh, but, yeah, interesting, interesting choice, Larry. But, I mean, he's multifaceted, multi-talented, world traveler and lover of all sports, apparently, no matter how vast or different. I have known that he's been playing pickleball because he'll even play with, um, like, Mark Dalton, who is one of the Cardinals PR guys, like, yeah, some of those, some of like some cardinal, like they've got their own little like pickleball cult over there, and I believe so. He's so I dropped the ball on on explaining it for anybody who does not know about this. So he's going to take on Michael Phelps at the Carvana Desert Ridge Open on Friday at a JW Marriott Resort, which I believe I covered this tournament last year because i was doing a story on like this mother daughter like duo thing so i get there and i like i'm like this is like the coolest atmosphere like it was relaxed like really competitive there was a ton of people there like espn was broadcasting it not i mean it was probably like espn two or three or whatever but there was like a, a tv truck and they had like reporters like a whole thing and so I'm just, everyone's like really excited because it's, it's, it's not a new sport, but it's gaining traction. So everyone was really excited. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever played before? Like, Hey, I like, I'll teach you how to play. I'll teach you how to, like, I walked away with all these like business cards of people being like, yeah, come on. Like, we're always looking to build the community. And then the competition level of it was like, for yeah. real Johnny. Well, I Google pickleball and it's, it's not a, not a pretty sight, not what you're at all describing. I see old people in their new balance sneakers, 
uh, with looks like, you know, broken hips uh, attempting to play this game with what looks like ping pong paddles. So I will take your word for it. Um, There's actually a pickle avatar with a little racket as well. So, I mean, uh, by the looks of this sport, it looks like Larry would dominate just by his, his width span alone. So um, interesting, not my cup of tea, uh, but to each their own. I don't even know if, if you got out. If you got out to a tournament, Nick and I are going to the Suns game on Friday, and we were like, "Should we like not go and like go check out Larry and Michael Phelps playing no, football?" No, I love yes. Larry. No, and actually, actually, when I left, I was waiting. I, there was I shot what I needed to shoot while I was at covering that tournament last year, and then there was like a gap until this mother daughter team like took the court. I went over and bought pickleball gear for me and my boyfriend, and we play sometimes. Nice. Yeah. Hey, to <laughs> your own, right? Han in the Jets says, I won't lie as a tennis player. I laughed at pickleball forever, then I played it last weekend. God damn it, it was fun. Well, yeah. um, I used to play racquetball in the Midwest when there were courts like that you could do that. I'm sure there are courts here, but my family were big racquetball players. That's not the same thing, but you do have a little ball and a little paddle, so... Listen, that's what you hit I, on. You hit it in like off the wall, right? Like that yeah. hit you in the face real quick. And I was never the one to wear the goggles. It was, yeah, it was, it's a little dangerous game, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's big in the Midwest. Pickleball is probably bigger here because of the climate you can play it year round, but interesting. We'll have to check in on old Fitz, do a, a live look in maybe Friday to see how he's doing. Yeah. But um, I think my vote, go watch Chris Paul and the, and the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to end up doing, but yes. Okay. Uh, shout out to Bird Gang Travel Club for joining the chat. It says, love yes. the Emmy flex. Cheerson has the Emmy. Johnny has the Waddy. You have, oh, you have uh, Watt back there on a bobblehead. Mm-hmm. I see. That's, which is really cool. I never noticed that. So good job, Tyler, for uh, being uh, attentive. You never noticed JJ Watt back here? I never, ever yeah, noticed I'll take that. Him down. This is what the off season's about, where we can maneuver props. This has been here since the inception of PHNX. This was sent to me. Goodness, I'm so sorry, company that sent this to me to shill for it. And I'm like, I'll shill for that if you give me one. And this is right after they had signed him. And I think they got shipped in the spring. But my daughter is two and wants it, and she would undoubtedly break it. So this is my loan. <laughs> I love that thing. I don't know how I never noticed it. That's a, I have gotten bobbleheads. Now, I will say this. Working in news, all the teams used to send out, I swear it was like every month, a new bobblehead, yeah. a new T-shirt, Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 like the like gear of all sorts. Like we used to get so much free stuff and then the pandemic hit and they don't send it out anymore. But I have so many bobbleheads from yeah. teams and stuff like that, that I'm like, I don't need these. That bobblehead though, is one of the coolest ones I've ever seen. That's it awesome. is. It, it is super cool because of the post that he's had. I mean, goodness, right. are we coming up? We are coming up on the, almost the year anniversary of that. So we have to talk about that in about a month's time that he, yeah, Foco was the company. Burgang Travel, Tyler probably got one too. They contacted a bunch of us shills and said, shill this out so we can sell it. So I think <laughs> it did very well. Um, but yeah, I think that was like the last day of February, first day of March that Watt uh, tweeted out, sources, me. There was the Peloton gate where people thought he was going to sign based on his like, oh Peloton my God. avatar. Oh my God. To have had this podcast in its inception when that was going on, we would have dedicated an entire show to peloton and i'd be on the app we'd be on our peloton bikes trying to decipher where Watt was going little did we know just wait jj would just announce it himself oh what a mess 
What a mess. And here we are. All right. We're going to talk some Calvin Ridley, but beforehand, we have to get your DraftKings Sportsbook app pick of the week, Johnny. So I am going to cheat a little bit. So it's not a pick for tonight, but it is a pick that you can go make on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I teased it on PHNX Bets Daily. Rick Biscotti. I want to say Rick Biscotti, like the like the cookie that you can dip. It's actually his yeah. last name is Biscotti, I think. He's the Vegas Raiders interim coach. He's plus 300 to be named the next head coach, only second to Jim Harbaugh plus 200. I think Rick's going to get the job. I don't think Jim Harbaugh wants that job. They're bringing in Brian Flores. I don't think they want to give it to him. I think at the end of the day, they're going to be underwhelmed with the candidates that would go to Vegas right now, given all their turmoil. They're better off bringing back Rich. By all accounts, he's, he's made an impression on Mark Davis ownership plus 300 right now to be the next Raider head coach interim to full-time. I think that's easy money. Would you bet on Vance becoming the Dolphins head coach? So here's an interesting thing. We talked about this on bets today. Brian Dable is, I think, his main competitor in Miami. Brian Dable is second in Miami DraftKings rankings, plus 350. Vance is plus 250. The Giants rankings for their next head coach have been removed off of DraftKings. Oh, I would say what does that mean? That that, I think that that means they're narrowing their choices, and I think Brian Dable is the choice. They came out, John Mara today, and their new GM basically said, we're trying to salvage – we're going to do right by Daniel Jones. They're going to try to salvage his career. You're not going to do that with another defensive head coach. You're bringing in Brian Dable, a guy, an architect with Josh Allen. I think it's only a matter of time. So I would bet on Vance because of that little detail on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. There you go. The insight from Johnny himself. Coach we got Lewis. some time this offseason. That's where <laughs> our time is spent, folks. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to spend more time on the DraftKings Sportsbook app uh, or spend time on it, you haven't downloaded it yet, download it, use the promo code PHNX. You're going to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. If you bet $5, you're going to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PHNX. For 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. But as always, it's 21 and over, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Next Step. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Johnny, you still got me? It sounds like my AirPods just died. You, you got me? I still got you. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. I got you. We're good. All right, let's get into some of this Calvin Ridley talk. So where do we begin? So it was last year that he decided to, after playing five games for the Falcons, decided to step away for the rest of the season to focus on his mental health. Mm -hmm. Well, now there's talk that they both might be seeking sort of a fresh start, Ridley wanting to maybe go to another team. Um, and the Atlanta willing to trade him. So there are a lot of teams that could use a receiver, a top receiver like him. And uh, I would say the Cardinals might be one of them. So could a, would a, can they, will they, should they with Calvin Ridley? Uh, absolutely they should. Once upon a time, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins and he was 27. Calvin Ridley is also 27, 28 range, same age as Hopkins. And I was, you know, uh, I had some misinformation. I thought Calvin was well into his second contract. He is still on his fifth-year option going into next season, which means 
they are less inclined to keep him because they haven't committed to him. He hasn't signed the contract with them. And by all accounts, I think they feel like they're better off parting ways. They took the tight end this year who was fantastic. The fourth overall pick name escapes me kid from Florida. Uh, that's just a bigger, larger wide receiver. They've got Cordell Patterson. It's a franchise that you feel like might be in transition mode and, you know, investing big money in Calvin Ridley, Ridley I just I, I don't think it's something that they want to do. They have an appetite for. He has been incredibly consistent each of his first three seasons before this year, eclipsing 800 yards. Of course, had that Pro Bowl season of 2020 with over 1,300 yards. I would say what what is realistic for the Cardinals or any team to trade for him? I don't think it is possible for Atlanta to get a one for him. I just don't, given his age. And on top of the fact that he is going to demand a new contract, we saw Julio Jones get dealt for a two. And the Hopkins thing is an outlier. He should have gone for a one, just like Stephon Diggs went for a one. To me, Diggs was a better player and was was relatively cheaper at the time before Buffalo dealt for him. But the temple is there. Calvin Ridley is going to go for, I think, a, a two plus, maybe a two and a three. So again, if you're in a position where you feel like, man, they're going to have to analyze, like, do we love these receivers in this draft class or do we like them? What do we think Rondell Moore's outlook with this team is next year? Is he primarily in the slot? And by all accounts, do we want to bring back Christian Kirk and A.J. Green? I think no to both of them. And, you know, to Han's point in the chat, Calvin Ridley is the epitome of what A.J. Green was supposed to be or really what a younger A.J. Green is, an outside receiver with elite speed. And I think he'd be a perfect complement to Hopkins. So if it was me, Cheerson, and I had to invest, let's say, a two and maybe a future three and a long-term contract, I'm doing it night and day. Yeah, um, you bring up a few points. I feel like it's in everybody's best interest for the Cardinals to move on from both A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. So that leaves a definite need. And I don't know that the need is, because I, I see a lot of people, and I was on the PHNX podcast earlier today, say, you know, you could get a nice uh, first rounder, a nice uh, receiver because it's a good class with our first round pick. But I think they need to address other positions with that first round pick. Like, uh, yeah, we don't have all, they, they don't have all the money in the world. Uh, yeah. They don't have the best draft picks. They've got a lot of needs. So it's like, there's no like perfect puzzle, and I I don't envy having to crunch the numbers on all all of you know the players' contracts and things like that. That's you know totally above my pay grade. But I would say they need to find somebody that is who they thought AJ Green was going to be able to be. At minimum, yeah. a fantastic number two. I would almost say like a one A one B. Although nobody Absolutely. really is like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, level that you're going to. I mean, Kellen, you could definitely say right that that would be a one A one B situation if you can mm -hmm. afford it. I would love that. My biggest concern with him, although I don't think he is a Antonio Brown type, where it's like, oh, any he could be, he could do anything at any point. He did just last season say, I need to step away. And so yeah. he might feel like he's in a good spot. And maybe he feels like, hey, you know what? I'm in a pretty good spot. I think going to a new market is going to do a, a, a world of wonders for me. And this is going to be, the, it's going to be great. And yeah. sunshine and rainbows and I'm mm -hmm. back. And But who knows, you know, if if that's going to stick or not and 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 how things are truly going for him. We already dealt with Malcolm Butler, right? This was just last season who stepped away. And I was thinking about him today because of this situation. I'm like, you know what? 
Still no sign, no word, no nothing from mm-hmm. how he's doing. I mean, he went completely off the grid. Uh, but I just would hate to see another situation uh, where the Cardinals go out, they get somebody, get a veteran, uh, and you know he just decides, you know what, uh, I thought I was ready, but I'm not. And so that's that's what would concern me about a guy like Calvin Ridley. Well, I mean, you're playing you're you're playing the, the the Russian roulette game with free agents and free agency. I go ask the Giants how it worked out signing Kenny Galladay to that big deal this year, 500 yards, zero touchdowns. It was a disaster, right? The Cardinals were very fortunate to get Hopkins at the price that they got him, and then just the person and the player that he is. Uh, and I agree with you. You have to vet all of that before you go into the. And that's why Atlanta really is not in a position where. I mean, certainly they could keep him, and I think that's an option for them, especially if they don't get the offers that they like. Oh, we'll go be competitive with Calvin next year. But if he digs his heels in and says, part of my mental health is, yeah, I just I need to break away from this organization. I need a fresh start. Give me that. Yeah. Try to get some compensation back. You'd have to have you know ample communication with everybody involved, Atlanta ownership, his reps, and, and make sure that he would be okay with the trade. I would imagine he would love to come to Scottsdale and play with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in a pass happy offense that has highlighted other receivers before. To me, we're in a division now that every other team boasts multiple alpha receiving targets. You think about this Sunday, Cooper Cup. I expect Odell Beckham to be on the LA Rams next season and, and for him to be an LA Ram moving forward. That's a scary proposition for the Arizona Cardinals. San Francisco has Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk, who were both high on. They have multiple targets. And then you look at, of course, Seattle, and, and once they get their problems situated with Russell, assuming he stays, Lockett and DK Metcalf. The Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins, who's approaching 30 years old. They have Rondell Moore, who fell off a cliff in the second half of the season, averaged eight yards per, per reception. And then that's it, right? And to you know, whomever was attempting to make that point on the podcast earlier, Chirsten, the Cardinals don't draft receivers well, especially early. You know, they missed on Michael Floyd once upon a time, and they really haven't dipped their toe in in the first round since then. I would say, okay, Steve Kime, what you're good at is dealing picks for players. It's not something I would do every year. It's not something I'd give up a first-round pick for unless there was a hopkins S player available. But I think giving up a two for Calvin Ridley and saying, okay, Calvin, we think your game is going to age well. You're 27 years old. We're going to get five peak years. Hell yeah, that's worth a second round pick and maybe a conditional third. So I, to me, Kime has to be honest about where his lapses are as a general manager. And I also think to your point, Cheerson, especially in the first round, they have to shore up both lines of scrimmage. So whether that's a guard or a tackle, certainly a defensive tackle or an edge rusher, that is what I would be prioritizing right now, pick 23. And then just like they have, I mean, goodness, we've talked about it. Since 2017, they have used, I believe, at least one second-round pick per year on a receiving prospect. Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, Andy Isabella, DeAndre Hopkins, right? This this would fit that mold. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, um, I would say it, it, it's hit or miss in the draft because if you just take a look at when I, when I think of – drafting and again you mentioned two successful picks and in, in Kirk and Rondette Moore but when I think of Steve Kahn drafting Cardinals re- receivers I think of that 2019 draft where you got Andy Isabella like you mentioned in the second round you had Hakeem Butler and uh Keyshawn Johnson and mm-hmm. it's a nightmare it's only because it's yeah and it's only because Andy uh, helps warm Kyler up 
pregame. <laughs> and he had that's his role that Andy inactive. That's his new name. Andy inactive. Andy inactive. Yeah. That he's even still a part of this team. None of them panned out. I know the other two were, you know, late round picks, but um, I, I just feel like it's, it's every position is hit or miss, but if there was a surefire talent that we could bring in at that position, um, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Well, especially if you're able to also re-sign Zach Ertz. I think Ertz is a huge priority yeah. for this team and a comfort blanket for Kyler Murray. I think that's going to get done regardless. So you talk about having a stable of more Hopkins, Ertz, and then TBD. Uh, I, I I do think that they're, they're going to bring back Antoine Wesley as a fourth receiver. I think that's a yeah. good move. So it really just becomes – where is that second receiver that we have inevitably been been looking for? Goodness, dating back to Larry's time here after Anquan left. That that is something that I think they want to be able to go. They always say we want to be able to go into the draft with the the box of you know crayons or whatever it is wide open. We want to be able to do anything we want to do. We want to. We don't want to be privy to have to take one specific the box position. of crayons. Why? I don't know. I was with my daughter. We were coloring before this. Um, what? Basically, what I'm trying to say, and not so eloquently, uh, is that the Cardinals want to have all their needs filled on the surface so they can go into the draft with house money and, and draft the best players. I shouldn't laugh because I'm the words are really hard for me. And so I just what am I just what was I trying to say? I can't even but they want to go open open minded, maybe and then I combine it with open slate or open canvas, and then canvas, I think a box of turn into crayons. <laughs> Oh man, I'm so sorry to the <laughs> to the folks that are watching. Bottom line is they wanted they just like they did with uh, James Conner before the draft. They signed him right before, so they didn't have to force a running back pick. How did that work out? Right, they did it with Devondre Campbell, but then they still took Isaiah Simmons because they love the value. That if this is the franchise and the administration that we're watching, that's what they want to do. So I, I think they'll sign a receiver regardless. I'm picking up the crayons you're putting down. I get it. I get Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bird <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gang Travel Club, you need a first rounder that's going to start. If wide receiver, you can get that, do it. Use your cap on free agents in other positions. Listen, that, that is for Steve Kime to figure out like what's possible, what's not, uh, what can we afford, what can we not. Uh, what are we hearing about our position in the draft and who will be available? I mean, there are so much that goes into it. Um, and we could, we could talk about the options every day until the draft. Uh, Jalen says we would be better off trying to get an OBJ in free agency because Rams won't be able to pay him. Um, the salary cap does not apply to the LA Rams. I don't know if you've seen how they operate there. Les Sneed and company. It is a, it's batshit crazy what they're able to do and manipulate with the salary cap. I would say do not count on the, f the fact that OBJ will not be back with the LA Rams. First of all, he went unclaimed by every other team in the NFL, and then the Rams courted him. He loves LA. He's close to LeBron. I, I think they're going to work something out where he's part of their team long term. I think what we could see is, unfortunately for Robert Woods, maybe he's a cap casualty with his injury. And that money gets reallocated to Odell. Get used to seeing Odell in the NFC West. Yeah, they've got a good thing going, and I'm shocked with how well it's panned out. I mean, you and I think it, this, by the way, I blame well, you 100 for that. I think the biggest reason that it panned out is OBJ is getting everything he wants. 
Mm-hmm. Like the city of LA and the LA Rams are giving him everything he was looking for, everything that New York and Cleveland weren't able to give him. You know, he's got his friend LeBron, he's got the lights, the attention gets targets that he gets. Yeah, it gets so I'll go on the field. He gets targets. Uh, he's got a, a quarterback that he obviously respects and has a good relationship with at the moment. <laughs> and, Stafford's uh, clinged it, man, and that's and that's what Baker. I mean, Baker went off social media. Did you see that? He had to like post something like to get his. I know. Mental I saw that today. And, I know. And I'm like, that's too bad, Baker. Go do a yeah, I feel for the guy. And I think it's interesting because we were talking about Calvin Ridley stepping away. Obviously, Baker's not saying he's stepping away, but like in the same vein of like just guys taking steps back. I know we're in a different era, so you can't really compare it to like any other time. Like, oh, we've never really seen this before. But it's interesting to see like guys, I'm taking a step back from social media or I'm taking a step back from the game. Um, and just the the toll that whether it's the the fame, the game, the fans, whatever it is, yeah. um, and I, I at least love to see you know guys be able to put their mental health, their wellness, their family, their livelihoods, you know, at the forefront, and, and um, have the wherewithal to say, hey, I, I'm just going to take a, take a step back. I feel for Baker that he feels like he needs to get off social media because it's that toxic. He's not in a good spot. I would say no. the issue with him in Cleveland is not like a a him problem. It's just like he's just not he's no longer a good fit and the Browns need to move off of him. But anyway. Yeah. All right, let's take a look at some more comments here. I think Rondell Moore is going to end up a star if he learns how to take uh damage fighting for yards after catch from Han. Yeah, I just think he was on such a high trajectory after that first like six weeks of the season. He's like leading the team and receiving yards. They, you know, every redraft of that first round had him as a solidified as a first round pick. Uh, and then he fell off. He had the injury and I think they misused him from a route perspective standpoint. He became a gadget player, which I mean, you can implement some of that with him, but I mean, use his speed, stretch the field like they did against Minnesota. Uh, I, I expect a huge jump from him next season. Uh, I expect, you know, maybe seven, 800 yards receiving two to 300 yards, rushing five to seven touchdowns. Then, then you're making the most out of him, especially when you think about what you get in the return game. So big year for Rondell and, and big year for Cliff using Rondell effectively. I agree. Um, and I would also say that maybe it'll be, be a big year for Anton Wesley because every opportunity he had in 2021, he capitalized on. Absolutely. Yeah. And have a full off season with the team, which he didn't have this year. He was kind of thrust into, into the role, into the environment. And uh, that, that Dallas game, he put on a show. I think, you know, you feel very comfortable and confident with him as your fourth receiver next season. Thank you for taking over. I was, uh, I had to stop talking because I sneezed. So <laughs> that's right. That's okay. Here we are. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm back in the game. Uh, Let's take a a second, though, for a message from the Arizona Department of Health. 
Children five and older are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. It is the best tool that we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with the virus. The vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized. The vaccine can also reduce the risk of even dying from the disease. It is safe, it is free, and highly effective. COVID-19 vaccines are available throughout the state of Arizona, and you can visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you to help make sure that we are all healthy, that we are all out of the hospital. Again, they are safe, free, highly effective, and available throughout the state of Arizona. Just visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. All right, Alex is asking, I just got here, who are we keeping and who are we letting walk this, se- walk this off season? Um, I feel like that's a very loaded question. Right now we're just Alex, basically every- talking about receivers. <laughs> Alex, we're, we're ditching everybody and we're signing everybody, uh, long story short. <laughs> but no, I mean, we'll, we'll feature that throughout the, the duration of the off season. Who would you like to see this team target? We had a good conversation about Cal- Calvin Ridley. I think Cheers and I are both in the camp that if, if a deal can be had for less than a first-round pick, then you definitely explore that. Uh, the Cardinals, too, by the way, Cheerson, I didn't mention this. I, Kyler Murray is not accounted for in the 2023 cap, but they have very minimal cap um, commitments in 2023. It's DeAndre Hopkins, it's Buda Baker, and that's about it. Uh, a little bit of Rodney Hudson, but and then a bunch of rookies that, you know, TBD on some of these younger guys. So, if you are able to, of course, you know, Calvin's salary is set for this year in 2022. It's 11 million. You could bump yeah. him up to 18, 19 million in 2023 and be more than fine, assuming that Kyler Murray's deal, you know, whatever that looks like, you'd have to finagle. And, and DeAndre Hopkins' cap number in 2023 is over 27 million. So well, TBD on that. The cap can be ma- manipulated, but I think. Don't become a prisoner of the moment, guys, if you're looking at 2022 in the landscape of, we don't have a ton of money. Guys are going to be cut. They're going to be released. They're going to be traded. They're going to be re, re-signed for less money or money is going to be allocated to future years. Guys like Devon Kennard, Jordan Phillips are not going to be around, certainly at the figure yeah. they're at now. So the, the Cardinals have a window still with Kyler Murray making you know, $10 million a season. They have another one of these moves in their back pocket, a Watt, a Rodney Hudson, a Hopkins kind of move if they want to make it. Yeah, at the same time, they have to figure out, basically restructure their entire defensive line. And Mm -hmm. so it's like they definitely don't just have like, oh, we've got all this money we can play with. And really, we only, you know, need one position. So don't forget that. No, they have have many, many. They have, Yeah. If, and if it's going to cost them some money to bolster that uh, defensive line, my goodness, spend the money. Uh, I would just say, to- quickly, yeah. allocate it, though, to where the value is. I, I don't, you know, free agency-wise, like, unless there's a trade to be had, there is not, there aren't too many enticing big-ticket defensive linemen available. Watt was the, the king of the castle last offseason, and, and they got him. Yeah, but that's Khan's bread and butter is our trade. So what what yes. can we do? Well, come on, Khan. It's your time. It's always yes, your time. That's, that's right. You want to get to our Bird Gang Blitz mailbag? Let's do it. It is time for the Bird Gang Blitz mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a little jingle to go with that. We All right, could first put some up, over it eventually, yeah. We probably could. I think so. Maybe we'll look into that. It'll be like an off-season project for us. <laughs> Very good. 
From David, if next season is similar, would you extend Kyler or would we go into rebuild again? They're, they aren't rebuilding anytime soon. They could retool, uh, but I think we talked about it yesterday. There were seven playoff spots for a reason. Got teams like, you know, Philadelphia's getting in when everybody thought they were going to be rebuilding this year. I don't think with Kyler Murray ever, you're rebuilding. I think you're retooling. I think Kyler Murray's around at least two more years. I, I would be shocked if they didn't sign him long-term. He needs to put together a complete season next year, even if he had gotten hurt this year or next year. Um, they they are shooting for the playoffs and shooting for consistent success. That's my opinion, Cheerson. Yeah, I'll be curious to see like if they feel pressure to, you know, like like when will they feel pressure to sign him? Like Yeah. Cause my opinion is if okay, and somebody asked this earlier. So this is like taking this kind of and just tweaking it a little bit. Somebody asked mm-hmm. earlier if they miss the playoffs next year. So Yeah. They, you know, they lost in the first round, but if they met this year, but if they miss the playoffs next year, do you clean house with Cliff Kyler Kime? And if if I was in charge, I would say yeah. Like let's let's move on. I've had enough of this. That'll be yeah. four years of Kyler. Basically, at this point, you would take a big step back. And if Kyler's not getting any better, Cliff is taking a step back. Kimes is responsible for all of it. I would say clean house in that regard. But I think if you clean house, like just because you you move on from Kyler at some point, though, doesn't mean that you're rebuilding. Yeah. Well, I just Michael Bidwell has never had a franchise quarterback, a young franchise quarterback. Yeah, I just he's not letting him go unless Kyler completely plateaus. I think Kyler situation right now kind of mirrors like a Derek Carr who up until this season had been to the playoffs once they lost I think he got hurt before they played that playoff game he got a nice contract he did not get a mega deal now Derek's a very different kind of person and a a prospect than Kyler but Derek Carr has been making on average about 22 to 23 million dollars each of the last four seasons I think I'm sure Kyler and his people probably feel like he's do like Dak Prescott money. We'll see. Dak's put together complete seasons, been in the playoffs a couple times. That's why Cheerson's point, like there isn't a rush to pay him because he, you know, he needs to play better and he needs to stay healthy for 17 weeks. So all of that to say, I just, Michael Bidwell will take nine, 10, 11 win seasons, being in the playoffs, being in the mix, getting those, the endorsement advertising checks that come with that. Um, I'm sure you get a little boost from the league. Just being viable and not being irrelevant is for this organization right here that has spent a lot of their years in, in irrelevance, five and 10 living in, in the five and tens, five and 11s. I, I know it's not what fans want to hear and you want We want that Lombardi. We want that championship, but my, Hey, just sustained success. Sounds great to Michael Bidwell. All right. I have something to address from Jalen saying, if we don't have a quarterback, then we are rebuilding. If the Cardinals decided that they were going to move on from Kyler Murray and they were going to, I don't know, get a guy like Russell Wilson, for instance, are we rebuilding? No, we're not. So I'm just saying if they decide to go in a different direction, we're not rebuilding. I'm not saying like draft a rookie quarterback and see how things end up. I'm just saying at some point, if they decide to move on from Kyler, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in a rebuilding stage. Go ask the Atlanta Falcons what it's like they're in kind of purgatory with 
They're not rebuilding. They're retooling. They can't move Alpha Matt Ryan because they're insecure. I mean, I could see the Cardinals being in that same kind of position in a couple years where it's like, we're not terrible, but Kyler hasn't progressed enough or he's limited athletically because he's gotten hurt so many times. Like, that's hard for a franchise to do when you find, like, Atlanta finally got their savior in Matt Ryan, third overall pick, and had a lot of early success. And then they're just kind of middling around. The Cardinals are a long way from that, but it just shows you, like, Name me an organization that has willingly moved off of their franchise quarterback recently that basically didn't have their hand forced. Like Philadelphia with Wentz, like their hand was forced. Nick, the fans had turned on Wentz. Foles won a Super Bowl. Like that's about it. Like guys are hanging around because you you see what it's like for the Washingtons of the world and who is who else is in quarterback disarray. If you don't have a quarterback, you are screwed. You are done as an organization. You have no shot to compete. Miami, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, historically. Well, yeah. um, Houston this season. I mean, just the teams. Uh, Pittsburgh now falls into that category. Yeah. Denver is a great Cleveland. example. Cleveland. Cleveland. The Broncos have more talent than I would say two-thirds of the league, and it doesn't make a damn bit of difference because they are inept at quarterback. So it is hard for owners to ship off a quarterback that has the kind of talent of a Matt Ryan or a Kyler Murray or somebody like that. It would take something exponential would have to happen for them to, to move off of Kyler. I missed this comment. Uh, Toru said absolutely mm-hmm. – Oh, I thought, okay, I, I got a little defensive. There absolutely needs to be some segment jingles. Okay, I thought absolutely doesn't need. That's how I read it. I was like, okay, fine. We, lo- but- we love you, Toru. <laughs> we'll get we'll get some music going. Or we'll just have Cheerson hum for us while we get some graphics yeah. on the screen. I can hum and we can record it and then that will be the jingle. <laughs> yes, yes, agreed. Uh, do you want to take a crack at that? This Ian says I'm very uncomfortable with the pass rush situation without Chandler Jones. I'm comfortable with it with Chandler Jones next year. Uh, if he gets let go, what should we expect at pass rusher? I don't see any situation in which he stays around because it's a money situation. That's my opinion. Unless they franchise him. Um, but that's a lot of money to allocate for one year when you have all these other positions yeah. to fill. I would lean more toward he is not coming back. Uh, they have Marcus Golden. That's not enough. Uh, and Marcus was good this year. wasn't great. But I mean, for what they're paying him, they, they have above value um, compared to you know two or three million dollars per season from a guy who's getting ten sacks. But I think people seem convinced. I am not that they're going to kick around the Hassan Reddick market. First of all, Carolina has to let him hit free agency, and he has to want to come back here. But you look at that. like profile. Now, it would be great. Pro Football Focus has their top 50 free agents. Chandler is the number one edge rusher on that list. So by and large, based on outside opinion, if you let Chandler go, you're going to downgrade. And it almost puts you in a position if you don't secure Chandler Jones or like a Preston Smith or Hassan Reddick, you you are going to be handcuffed in that first round to take a pass rusher. And that's a bad place to be when other teams know you're picking 23rd and they can jump you. They know you're de- – Steve Kimes has been desperate for edge rushers before. He was jumped once upon a time for guys like Bud Dupree. He got lucky with Marcus Golden. You know, he got lucky that Bill Belichick wanted to offload Chandler Jones. Like, maybe that's the trade where you let Chandler Jones go. There's a pass rusher available. You trade for a pass rusher. But 
I they, they're they're going to have to. And I think part of it too, Cheerson, is who's coordinating the defense. What's the defense look like? Are they moving to a four three? I yeah. The pass rush and the front seven could look drastically different based on who's coordinating it and what scheme they're running. I wouldn't assume Vance uh, Joseph is back. That's a that's another really good point. And continuing to cross my fingers that we hear something here in the next yes. few days. I'm rooting wonderful. for it big time. I'm rooting yes. for it big time. I, 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 well, I'm married to the idea that they're going to get an extra third this year. I'm setting myself up for disappointment <laughs> when it when it doesn't happen. Jalen says the draft is deep at pass rush, but I don't want to be dependent on a rookie to be the premier pass rusher. Yeah. And you know what? The Micah Parsons thing, that's an outlier scenario. I, take one at 23, even if you if you sign a guy like Hassan Reddick and have multiple, you can never have too many. Go look at San Francisco, what they're doing in the postseason right now. Their front seven is elite. Their, back, their, their corners are terrible. doesn't matter. Um, I think the Cardinals are fine at corner. I think they need a disruptor defensive tackle that can penetrate like an Armstead for San Francisco. And they need a young pass rusher. I think, and then I think they'll be fine. I almost forgot we were doing bird gang blitz mailbags. So I got <laughs> lost fine. in the comments here. So we, we have more uh, from E Goldie. Is it the chicken or the egg? Is Kime really bad at drafting players or is our coaching staff below average at developing them? I'm sure it's a combination, but it seems like there isn't enough talk about our lack of development at key positions behind just Zavin. Uh, I would say you are correct, E. Goldie. It is a combination. Kime is not inept, and he is, he's a, I would say he's a below average drafter, but he's a, clearly above average when targeting free agents. So he probably makes him an average GM. Um, but I will say that I don't think Vance Joseph have been adamant about he's the right coordinator for a lot of these young players defensively for whatever reason. I don't, I just feel like somebody else is better equipped to handle the development of Isaiah Simmons and Xavier Collins. Like we ought to, we ought to finish this season. We were supposed to finish the season, Cheerson, knowing what Isaiah Simmons is and having Isaiah Simmons be a building block for this franchise. And I don't think we can say that. I mean, like, is if you if you did a redraft of the 2021 first round or 2020 first round is Isaiah Simmons going in the first round at this point like he was the eighth overall pick and they described him as generational well somebody needs to tap into that because right now we're not seeing it too inconsistent especially against the run and then for Xavier not to essentially not play this year is is malpractice so I would say right now I'm leaning more toward because people loved Isaiah malpractice. I think it's I think that I think it's more on the coordinator right now than than Kime. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the guys that you could all be talking about outside of Simmons and Collins, which have been our main. I mean, we've been talking about that every week for the last four months. Hard not to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think Zach Allen has improved. I think Byron Murphy kind of stalled out this year a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt like Marco Wilson did phenomenal uh, for the most part, maybe trailed yeah. off towards the end, but like literally everybody trailed off towards the end. Um, it was a team thing, right? Yeah. It was just a team thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to think who else has been drafted during his tenure here. That would be a, a defensive guy that he would be in charge of developing. Well, here's a good point from Jalen. It's a scheme fit. Devondre Campbell left, became an all pro pro bowl linebacker in, I mean, he was all first team, all pro in green Bay. Now, 
he, he, he flashed, but at the end of last year, he, he fell off a cliff like everybody else. I just think, to me, who is Cliff Kingsbury elevated other than Kyler Murray offensively that they've drafted? I mean, there's not too many. I mean, he didn't, he hasn't made Christian Kirk into a, a pro bowl receiver. And if Christian Kirk goes and has success elsewhere, you know what Steve Kime can do? He'd look at Michael Bidwell and say, Hey, I drafted that guy, just like I drafted Hassan Reddick and we didn't put yeah. him in positions to succeed. So that, those are things we're gonna have to keep an eye on. Um, and, and they, they're conscious of that. Um, Daryl says they didn't sign Hassan Reddick and trade Chandler Jones. Wasn't that the smartest move to do that? So if Daryl was paying attention to me last offseason, I would I said resign Hassan Reddick and and move off of Chandler Jones. But the problem was he was rehabbing. You wouldn't have gotten competent value, but I definitely definitely would have been the better play because they could have gotten Reddick at a much cheaper rate for multiple years. Uh, they already had Marcus Golden. They'd re-signed him early in the, the offseason. Um, Reddick's just a more complete player right now from an athletic standpoint. Chandler. He's a one-trick pony. He, he's not good against the run. He, uh, clearly, he's not going to move in space and defend the pass, so he can get after the quarterback. That's about it. Um, I agree. I think we've got one more question here. Okay. All right. From Jay, do you think that Cliff will be relieved of his play calling next season? Also, which OC would be a good fit to help develop Kyler and make this offense thrive? I don't think he's getting relieved of his play calling duties. I think at most they could bring in like, uh, like we talked about yesterday, like a Jim Caldwell stabilizing presence, senior yeah. offensive advisor. But I, I mean, if Cliff's not calling plays, he shouldn't be the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. They, they fell in love with this play calling at, at Texas tech. They, that's, that's the offense. He, 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 nav- if, to bring him somebody else in to call plays, what is Cliff doing? Is he, cause he's not a great motivator as we've seen at the end of the season. He's still growing in that area. No, I just, you can't. Yeah, yeah, let, you got to write it out if he's going to be your coach. Yeah, we talked about it at length yesterday. Um, you know, I don't know. I think they've done about all that they will do to assist him. And it was a big move to elevate Sean Kugler to not just work with the offensive line, but be run game coordinator as well to kind of assist him a little bit. But yeah. I, I, yeah, it's they they brought him in for a reason that was to be the play caller in addition to a head coach. They brought him in for his offensive mind. I just don't see a situation in which they move off that. And to be honest with you, when that's when that is the dynamic, bringing in, I wish I had like an example. I know it happens all the time where, um, you know, it's like you're gonna if you're the head coach and you're also the a coordinator like and you're not the team is underperforming you're always going to have the the conversation of well you know bring in an offensive coordinator bring in somebody else um and I wish I had a situation in which like a head coach stayed they hired a coordinator took the duties away and they actually had success with it Hmm. can you think of it can you think of a team Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. Sean McVay, I think, calls the plays. Um, they took him away from Mike McCarthy in Green Bay once upon a time, uh, but then they eventually canned canned his ass. So I don't, yeah, I can't remember. I, I I don't remember when that Sean Payton calls plays. Um, 
Nope. Uh, usually when they when they take it away, it's only a matter of time because then you really don't have a calling card to – I mean, the Cardinals offense, what it finished, like just outside the top 10. Um, and, you know, that was mostly built on what they had done early in the season. But I just – I feel like they just it's, – it's easy to say. I feel like they need better players. They need – they have not – what's the last top – Three like outside of Rondell Moore and DeAndre Hopkins, like who have they spent an early round pick on at skill player or tackle or guard or center or tight end? I mean, like most of their additions offensively have been kind of band-aid free agents where the defense is getting all of the premium draft investments with Simmons right. and Collins and you know, they traded up for Marco Wilson. They took the two rookie defensive tackles a year ago. They they have flushed the defense with a ton of resources. Watt was their big addition last offseason. Like, I'm almost at the point, especially if they bring Vance back, like, you're on your own with a lot of the – I'm not giving you any more resources in the draft hive for you to sit, guys. Like, I'll give Cliff weapons because I know well, – that can't be I said, hey, we're going to keep you around, but we're not going to give – That's, that's me. If I was in charge, I'd be like, Vance, you're on your own, buddy. Good luck. Play your Vallejos. <laughs> And your Joe Walkers, you asshole! I'm gonna draft these players. And- thought, if that's your thought process, then Vance Joseph should not be your defensive. Correct, coordinator. and that's why I would move. I would move off of him. I Cliff, <laughs> I know you'll. If I take a rookie center in the first round, he's he's playing or a guard or whomever, not a center, a guard or if I if I take a, a wide receiver at 23, Cliff Kingsbury's playing him because he'll have signed off on it. Everybody's on the same page. That. That prospect will be with the ones when OTA begins. They'll be he'll be opposite DeAndre Hopkins, whomever it is, right? They take a running back at 23. Please don't do that. But if they did, they're playing early, right? I just I trust Cliff in that regard. Okay. Jalen, any final who has been given all the resources. Thank you, Jalen. Well, sure. I agree. And I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to like put all the blame on Vance, but I am convinced now more than ever that the Cardinals should move on from him, whether it's a a promotion or whether it's like at this point, I was like, oh, well, keep Vance around. But if he got a, like a head coaching job that like that, that might actually be pretty good at this point. I've convinced myself that one way or another, they need to hire a guy like Vic Bangio and just kind of create a spark on the, on the defensive side. And listen, if you, if you really feel like your players aren't being developed, then why the hell would you stick around with it? It's not a head coaching change, right? Like there's, there are guys out there that are proven successful defensive coordinators, just bring somebody new in. Now it's hard to learn a new defense, this and that, and like whatever, but bringing in somebody with a different philosophy, a fresh outlook, and maybe the ability to develop your guys that you're drafting of your Steve time and, you know, Johnny, you've been making this point all along. It's like a slap in the face to him. Like, I would be pissed if, like, you weren't playing and developing my guys because, like, you know, he's the guy, he's the one that went out there and got him. So, if it, all things considered, maybe it's time to just move off of him, whether or not he gets his head coaching job. Think about it last year at this time. Zavin Collins was on the Cardinals' radar this time last year. And, they worked their ass off to decipher the scouts, the front office. Like, this is our guy. If he falls to us and the board falls this way, and then they take him and he just doesn't play. Not because he's hurt, right? Just because the defensive coordinator would rather play other people. Like that, you just can't have that. You have to be 
it's like that's why I think why I, I, I like the dynamic with with Cliff and Kime. It's like Cliff wanted Andy Isabella. They took him. Didn't work out. But, you know, they replicated it with with Rondell Moore. They're on the same page. There is a disconnect with the front office and Vance Joseph. They by all and large, they like each other. He's a likable guy. But like you can't trust Vance Joseph to play that position that early. And so stop either stop drafting it or get rid of your coordinator. Because we all knew what happened last year when they took Zavin Collins. Kime had to do a dog and pony show in front of the cameras. Like, he's playing. He's not sitting. He's – we're going to – what did he – I don't even know. That co- conversation with he and Collins was replayed time and time again where he was like, we're going to we're gonna take over, kick everybody's ass. Blah, and he yeah. got everybody fired up. Like, we're going to yeah, remedy yeah. our mistake. And then the exact same thing happened. You just can't have that. Because then Kime I, looks like, like a doofus. I will go to my grave saying that I was ne- never thinking that that was like an amazing pick though to begin with. No, so it was how- vanilla ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, everybody was just like, what? Everybody, like literally everybody. We're like, wait, who from Tulsa? What is this? Another linebacker? Who's this kid? And when they like, we, they initially thought, I thought he was going to play outside. I thought he was going to be a bad pass rusher. And then Kime was quickly like, nope, inside he's again. He's a tree in the middle. We got two trees in the middle. Just can't help himself. I love it. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap it up with this from Han. Uh, I, in hindsight, wasn't the better move making Kingsbury an <laughs> offensive coordinator to see if the system could work instead of just thrusting him into the NFL with all the pressure of the head coach. And he had already taken an offensive coordinator position. So it's not like he would have been like, even though he has never, you know, worked in the NFL, but it's not like he was like, Oh, I got to be a head coach. Like my next job got to be a head coach. And he got fired, uh, was, you know, took an offensive coordinator position still in college. And then, I mean, that's, that'll forever be the, like the biggest question mark, like was like, was that a smart move? Should they have like eased their way into it, made him an offensive coordinator? Should they've done it from the beginning? Like what were other college and NFL teams not seeing in Cliff to where he had to take a PAC 12 offensive coordinator position? I, I still am. I'm a firm believer in the Cardinals tried to hedge their bet on and buying into Cliff Kingsbury a year early because I mean, let's just be honest, like, the hot candidates, the coaching candidates, the hot candidates wouldn't come to that Cardinal team when they were bottomed out in 2019 with a broken Josh Rosen and a roster that needed a complete gut job. They're not going to get the bet. The, they wouldn't get a Brian Dable right now to come coach that team. It was very much on par with Houston. Kime was toxic. He had extreme DUI. He was being kept on by the owner. Their draft resume was awful. They tried to hedge their bet, and to some degree, it worked. They got Cliff to come here, and they made the playoffs in three years, and, and they got Vance Joseph. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, had he gone to USC, and let's say he was fantastic, right, and was like the, like the Pac-12 coordinator of the year, he would have had his pick between college jobs and maybe NFL jobs, and he would not have con- – in my opinion, I don't think he'd consider the Cardinals. The Cardinals were debating between Adam Gase and Cliff Kingsbury. That's sad. It is. But I mean, you know, again, we just we have to be honest with 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 this this franchise and especially in 2019. That that was the when they bottomed out. 
Well, Johnny, not that I'm sick of just talking to you, but yay, Frank is joining us tomorrow and Friday. So that's going to be Yay. Yes. We we'll it. also have some big news. The show's changing that we are going to announce within the next couple of days. So we've got that yeah. coming. So lots of things to look forward to Thursday and Friday. Until then, would you like to do the honors and say goodbye and uh, thank you to our friends? Yes, thank you guys. <laughs> Be sure to <laughs> like and subscribe and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Check us out. GoPHNX.com as well as PHNX Sports YouTube. Check out our uh, Twitter, PHNX underscore Cardinals. And uh, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Bravo, bravo. Good job, Johnny. Thank <laughs> see you. you, guys. Thank you. As my face turns red.